G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Over the past few weeks, we've looked at the eight miracles, signs the Apostle John calls them, recorded in his Gospel. But did you know there's a ninth miracle, a ninth sign, a ninth wonder? And it turns out, for you and me, it's the greatest miracle of them all. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond, and welcome again to the program as we finish up this week by taking a look at this the greatest of all miracles from a different perspective. So here we are, almost at the end of the series on signs, wonders and miracles of Jesus as they're recorded in John's Gospel in the New Testament. There are eight of them. Here they are, just in case you missed any of the programs. Firstly, he turned water into wine at the Canaanite wedding. From that we discover that Jesus uses his power to bless us sometimes in the most amazing ways. Then he healed the nobleman's son, and and we saw how despite all that was going on around him, this man just focused on Jesus and believed in him, and so he received a miracle. The third sign was the healing of the paralytic by the pool of Bethesda, a man who was in a hopeless place without hope, and Jesus demonstrated his love and his power by walking into that hopelessness and bringing not just hope, but healing too. Oh, who can forget the feeding of the 5,000? As Jesus took that little boy's fishes and loaves, just showing how Jesus wants to grow the faith of his disciples through what he can do by the tiny offering of one small boy. Then there was the walking on water, through which Jesus speaks the fact that his power and his love are just as good, just as effective, just as present during the storms in our lives as they are on the clear sunny days. The healing of the man who was blind from birth to show us that it's not about religion, it's about trusting in Jesus. Religion often blinds us. Jesus is the one who gives us sight, physical and spiritual. And who can forget the raising of Lazarus from the dead, a death that occurred precisely because Jesus delayed in going to his good friend so that the power and the glory of God would be evident to all. And then finally, After his death and resurrection, he appears again to his disciples and performs a miracle that they've seen once before. He tells them to throw their net over to the other side of the boat, and after a night of fishing that yields nothing, they catch an amazing catch. To fishermen, he speaks through the fish. To each one of us, he speaks in terms and in a language that we can understand. Eight amazing miracles, signs as John calls them, that point to the power and the love of and the authenticity of Jesus as the very son of the one true living God, who is ready, willing, and able to transform our lives. And why does John record just these eight signs and wonders of so many that Jesus performed in his gospel account of the life and times of Jesus? Well, John tells us that in chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. He says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. 
It's all about helping us to believe because these signs point at the authenticity of Jesus and in believing that we might have real life, a vibrant life today and an eternal life tomorrow. Jesus is all about life. Life for me, life for you, and not the sort of life that Lazarus had when he came out of that tomb wrapped in his grave clothes. Can I just take you back to that picture again? Jesus has come to Lazarus, who is dead, has been for four days. By now, his body is on the nose. He is as dead physically as anybody who doesn't yet know Jesus is spiritually. And he's on the nose. And Jesus commands they roll the stone away from the entrance of Lazarus's tomb. Jesus, deeply moved again, comes to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha the sister of the dead man said to him, but Lord, by this time there'll be an odour, for he has been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Just look at that picture of Lazarus wandering out there and out of the tomb, wrapped in his grave clothes. His cheeks are pink underneath those grave clothes, flush with life because Jesus has breathed life into him, but he's wrapped in the uniform of death, the grave clothes, and no man can live their life in grave clothes. Which is why Jesus said, mark these words, unbind him and let him go. Many a man's life, many a woman's life is depicted by that picture of the Lazarus in his grave clothes. They have life because Jesus gave it to them, but they remain dressed in the old clothes of death, bound in the sin of the old man, the old woman, the one who was before Jesus gave them life. They're wondering, why, why is my faith not working for me? Why is Jesus falling short of my expectations of him? Why is my life so much of a mess all the time, not realising that it's because they remain bound by their sin? Now contrast that picture with the picture that John gives us of the greatest miracle of them all, the resurrection of Jesus in the empty tomb. Let's go to John's Gospel, chapter 20 and verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in... He saw the linen clothes lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Would you please notice with me, this passage tells us about the grave clothes, the clothes of death that Jesus had been wearing at his burial, the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. 
they were off. Jesus was risen with a freedom of new life that he now wants to pass on to you and to me. Friend, the whole point, the thing that Jesus is all about is bringing you new life through his resurrection, freedom from sin, freedom from death, not walking around in some half-life bound up in the clothes of death in your sin, but an abundant life. The Apostle Paul sums up this, this greatest miracle of them all in Romans chapter 6, verse 4. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. The greatest miracle of them all is that through his death and resurrection, Jesus has brought us forgiveness of sin, removal of the power of sin to destroy our lives, and he's replaced it with newness of life. The greatest miracle of them all is that Jesus died for you and rose again for you so that you could have this newness of life. My friend, do not go another day, not one more, without embracing this Jesus as your Lord and your Saviour, without putting your trust in Him, without embracing this abundant newness of life. In this postmodern high-tech age, doing family, being family, is more difficult than it's ever been. That's why so many families are being torn apart, which is why I'd love to send you a free copy of my latest life application booklet, Healing for Broken Families. Because His Word is alive and active, amen? So I'm praying that God will pour His love out right there in the middle of your family, through this booklet. You can request your free copy right now. Just stop by at ChristianityWorks.com or give us a call toll free on 1300 722 415 and we'll send it straight out to you in the post. But this is the very last week that this particular booklet will be available, so don't miss out. Again, that's ChristianityWorks.com or 1300 722 415. Hey, thank you so much for joining me. I'm Bernie Diamond, and I'll catch you again same time on Monday with a different perspective. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.